With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports Another But Sports with Kent Sterling for Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Dr. Mike O'Neill has been my dentist for the last 26 years. I will never go to another dentist. Call him. Make him your dentist today. The culture of excellence is palpable when you walk in the door. 317-849-2900. 3-3. We're going to talk about the Pacers in just a minute with the great Scott Agnes of the Athletic. Pacers with a big win last night, but let's preview what's going to happen tonight. Michigan State visits Indiana. This is a potential season-making game for Indiana. This is a huge week. Two ranked opponents visiting Simon Scott Assembly Hall. If IU could beat Michigan State tonight, and then Maryland on Sunday afternoon. Indiana's got a hell of a chance to go to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2016. Right now, they're 4-3 and three in the Big Ten. If they can win these two games, all of a sudden they're 6-3. and three. But if they're going to win these two games, they got to win tonight's game first. 8-30 tonight on Fox Sports 1. Here's the deal. Last year, people look at Indiana and they say, you know what, they beat Michigan State twice last year, the Hoosiers did. That's absolutely true, but here's also what's true. Indiana outscored Michigan State in regulation in those two games by a total of one point. They won one of the games by one. The other game went into overtime. Indiana won both of them. One guy who played exceptionally well in both games was Justin Smith. Played 35 minutes and 34 minutes. He scored a total of 37 points, which means he averaged 18 and a half In those games, Devontae Green, you know what he did? I know people in Indiana either love to love or love to hate. Devontae Green, he hit six of nine three-pointers in those two games. Three of four in one, three of five in the other. Indiana's got to be able to rebound the basketball. Indiana's got to be able to stop Cassius Winston. Indiana needs to be really, really technically proficient in competing tonight at home. Michigan State Four-point favorites. What do I think is going to happen? How the hell do I know? Indiana can show up and play really, really well like they did at Nebraska where they had 21 team assists. Or 
they can play like they did at Rutgers just before they played at Nebraska, where they only had six assists and got run out of the gym by the Scarlet Knights. I think Indiana is going to play really well. I think they can get the win tonight. I think they need to get the win tonight. If they get the win tonight and then they win Sunday afternoon, they're six and three in the Big Ten. This is really this Big Ten season for Indiana, I think, is a race to 10 wins. If you can get to 10 wins, you're going to the NCAA tournament, and that would show progress for this Indiana family of basketball players and coaches. And that's what they need. They need to show progress. Or you're going to get guys like Caleb First up there at Fort Wayne Blackhawk. He's going to look at Indiana and say, you know what? I'd really rather go to Michigan State. I'd really rather go to Purdue. They're coming off back-to-back Big Ten championships. Not going to win the Big Ten this year. But if they want to keep that positive momentum rolling in state recruiting, you got to win these games or games like this. You got to get to 10. And winning these two make it much, much easier. You got to hold serve at home. And then if you can split on the road, steal a couple, not split, split, split's impossible. But if you can steal a couple on the road, you got a hell of a chance to go to the NCAA tournament and show that positive momentum. Speaking of that, this is only Michigan State's fourth road game of the year. The other three, they picked up a loss. They've had a couple of close games. Tonight, it's going to be a great test for both Michigan State and Indiana. I absolutely cannot wait for this game again. 8.30 tonight on Fox Sports 1. Archie Miller... You know what? Got to start. Got to start getting some meaningful W's. We'll see if he's able to put that together tonight. Speaking of meaningful wins, last night coming off that thirty-point beatdown at Utah, the Pacers they absolutely rose up. They smited the Phoenix Suns, one twelve to eighty-seven. That's a twenty-five point victory on the road against a team that had played really well together over the last seven to ten games. The Phoenix Suns with DeAndre Ayton. They're a little bit different. That team last night, the Pacers, really, really good. Uh, T.J. Warren, in his return to Phoenix, where he spent the first few seasons of his NBA career, 25 points. Domas Sabonis, 24 points, 13 rebounds. Three guys off the bench last night. McConnell, McDermott, Holiday in double figures. When the Pacers play like that, they are really, really tough to beat at home or on the road. You know, they've got a winning record on the road this year. They do. And that's a really good thing. If you can win the vast majority of your home games and then go on the road and split, that's a hell of a thing. So the Pacers, three games into their five-game West Coast trip, they have won now two of them and lost one. And they've got games coming up tomorrow night against the Golden State Warriors and then Sunday at Portland. Neither of those two teams really pose a great challenge. It's not like rolling into uh, the Staples Center and playing the Lakers or the Clippers, right? You're playing the Warriors. The Warriors are even bad at home. Portland, they can do some things. We saw Lillard the other night with like 60 or 61 points, something crazy. The Pacers, they know what they have to do to win the next two. And if they win the next two, they come home 4-1 and one on that West Coast trip. Teams from the East going to the West and playing a five-game West Coast trip, you're not going to see many come back with four wins. This would be a great point of differentiation for an Indiana Pacers team that is in the midst of turmoil in the Eastern Conference. From the second team, uh, the Miami Heat, they're in second in the Eastern Conference, to the sixth-place team, the Philadelphia 76ers, you've got about a three-game difference. 
All right, the the Pacers right now only two and a half games out of second place, and and so the the difference between being two and being six in terms of playoff seating and where you have to play and who you have to play absolutely enormous. And so the Pacers, every win that they can pick up, really, really important. they got to be disciplined, and they really have been all season long. They've done a great job of ponying up and competing night in and night out. The Utah loss notwithstanding, you know what, I think that loss winds up being, in the aggregate, a good thing for the Pacers because nobody had to go deep into the game and play a whole bunch of minutes, so they kind of keep their legs fresh on the road and that's important. And then remember on, on January 29th at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, Victor Oladipo coming back to play for the Pacers. Let's turn our attention to the great Scott Agnes of The Athletic. He's on this West Coast swing with the Indiana Pacers. All right, Scott, great bounce back win last night for the Pacers coming off that 30-point beat down in Utah. What was the difference? I think for one, it was T.J. Warren, obviously. It's kind of the reunion game for him. And as I wrote last night, I thought it was interesting is he mentally prepared for this moment. He went on YouTube like any millennial and was watching clips before the game of, of his former teammate, of Kawhi's return and, and things like that to try to be prepared for this moment. And then, of course, in all these situations, we, we see teammates get each other involved, right? And so the first play from Tiff, the Pacers went right to T.J. Warren. Now, he missed the shot, but they went to him. And then I also think that he's not going to get enough credit, but T.J. McConnell, what he was able to do in the – in the entire game, and not just the second half while Brogdon was out. I thought he was terrific. You know, I mean to be the uh, the stalwart supporter of the short white guy, right? But T.J. McConnell, <laughs> the way he kind of, he brings energy game after game after game, both on the floor and off the floor, verbally and physically, I think that's really important during an 82-game season, don't you? It is, especially when you're getting it from that guy off the bench because you need that jolt of energy, a little juice off the bench when, yeah, you're slogging through this last month until the all-star break. You absolutely need that. You need it when you're dealing with injuries and he's nothing flashy. Generally, he has had a couple of flashy moments, but normally he's just consistent. He's a guy that does not turn the ball over very often. And just last night he recorded his second double double of the season. All right, let's roll back to TJ because the Warren TJ, uh, 25 points last night coming back to Phoenix. He's a quiet guy. He's a guy who's a little bit difficult to get to know. What have you learned about T.J. Warren through the first 50-ish games of this season? I think, for one, just his, his love and passion for basketball uh, stands out more than anything. He's not there, as we often talk about, he's not there for the brand building. He's not there for the commercials. He's not there for, uh, you know, being on Instagram right before the game with the special outfit. He shows up listens to music and just ready to ball uh, to use what he said last night. Um, I, I think it's a guy teammates are trying to understand and, and a little bit because Demonis Savonis last night was saying, you know, we were asking him how, if he was ready, um, if he thought TJ was ready. And he said, I don't know. He doesn't really talk much. So it's not <laughs> just to us. It also includes his teammates, which is a little bit of a baffling thing. But he, I think the other big thing, Kent, that stood out to me is he's been a willing listener, a willing learner. Right, because he hadn't been asked to play defense much before. Um, he hadn't been taught to play defense much before, and that's something Naden, especially Dan Burke, has worked tightly with him. Especially Dan Burke trying to simplify the offense, explain their coverages, um, and especially man to man, because a lot of what he was used to was some zone action, and so he, he's responsible for his man and for his space. And so that's what one big thing he's had to learn. 
Two games left in this road trip. You got, uh, they have Golden State and then Portland. Portland probably the more difficult of the two games. Where, where's this team stand looking ahead to Golden State and Portland? So I think they've, they look very good. They'll have a, a day of practice today in San Francisco. And of course, that'll be special, uh, the next couple of days because it'll be their first time in the new Chase Center. Uh, and it's billion dollar glorious uh, operations there um, where people are probably more concerned with their suite than they are their seats. I, I got to imagine. But uh, in terms of the Pacers on the other side of that, the one negative to come out of last night was the fact that maybe um, Brogdon suffered something more than just a laceration above his left eye. He was checked out for a concussion. We don't have any more details at this point. It probably won't keep him out they they don't expect but you just never know especially the the day after right how he recovers how how he feels when he woke up this morning um so losing him would would be quite significant because this team has been so good i think they've won 11 of their last 12 games with malcolm in the lineup you know malcolm brogdon my god what else could happen to this guy is is this a like a style of play issue or is this just really bad luck because this guy Literally, like if you drew X's across all the parts of his body that have been injured this year, I don't think there'd be a part of his body that's untouched except maybe his liver. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, it just comes down to awful luck. Like uh, there was a part where his pinky finger, remember, got jammed on a yeah. player's jersey. That kept him out a little bit. And actually, he's still playing through torn ligament in that. Now, in the last two weeks, he's he's removed the tape, so he's no longer wearing um, tape on that pinky finger to keep it in place. But, yeah, you're talking about – a uh, hamstring injury, which I, th- I think led to probably the sore lower back injury that's then kept him out significant time. Then he randomly gets strep throat after being ready to return to the lineup from that sore back. And now this. So it's one thing after the other, and I don't think it's anything. It's nothing preventable. It's not that he's not stretching enough or those sorts of things because I see him stretch more than any other player I've seen before games and after games. He's very regimented in his routine and, and what he needs to do to be prepared to play each night. So when they come back, and I know the last time I talked to Nate about this, he said he didn't know whether Vic was going to come off the bench or whether he was going to start. How does Vic coming back to the lineup on the 29th, assuming that winds up being the date, how does that affect this team? Obviously for the positive positive um, aspect and everything, right? When they're able to get him back, he, he's going to look good, I think. Not quite himself, but I've talked to a couple of mad ants that have practiced with him over the last couple of days, and and. They are very impressed with what, what he's done and been able to accomplish and, and also what he's provided to their practice to, to provide a jolt of energy to that as well. With the Pacers, I think you're going to see him start. Um, they haven't exactly figured out the plan, whether it's a minute restriction, will he play in back-to-back. That will all co- come here in the next couple of days and they get on a, a big conference call with the executives, his agent, Victor's physical therapist, the team's medical staff, and, and Nate as well. Um, right now, Nate's very much just focused on this road trip, as you would expect for him to be focused on the present. Um, but then over the weekend, once they return from this trip, that's when he'll really um, get focused for that practice because they'll have a day off and one practice before Victor's return. There's going to be a lot of emotions that come into it. But I, I think you'll, the biggest things you'll see impacted, I think, were, will be Jeremy Lamb, go, Lamb eventually going to the bench and the minutes reduction of at least a couple of guys probably – uh, Edmund Sumner remains out of the rotation. I think Aaron Turner, or excuse me, Aaron Holiday likely loses some minutes. And then probably another guy that's having an off night, which it could be a lamb, um, even more so. Maybe it's TJ McConnell. Uh, but 
I just don't know how you reduce T.J. McConnell's minutes anymore. He's made such a contrib- such a positive contribution whenever he's out there. You know, if they win these next two games against Golden State and Portland, they're going to come back home with a 31 and 16 record, which is really, really <laughs> yeah. good, right? Vic coming back, they're like, here's my thing, and you know how how I think about these things. I think that the brand guys can be kind of disruptive a little bit, and Victor. Is Victor a baller or is Victor a brand guy? I think he's truly a both at this point. Yeah. I I don't see him leaning more towards either one of them. Basketball's his first love, but of course he cares about the other stuff. I mean, he recorded an interview with Arsham Sharani in his music studio. So it goes a little bit of both ways. He's very much involved in the entertainment, and the, the branding, and the endorsement opportunities. But he once he gets on the floor, I have no doubt where his focus is, though. I will say that. And he'll be one, he'll be a component on this team, right? He's not going to come back and think, okay, I got to get my 18 shots. He's going to be a guy who comes back and he works within the flow of the team. I think that's especially what it'll be like for these okay. first eight games leading into all-star break, right? And this is why this positioning and the, the point in which they focus on his return, I think works out so nicely. For one, you return about against a weaker team, a Bulls team, a rebuilding team. So it should be a lighter game where you can't have a, some hiccups and manage through it, right? The other thing in all of it is you have seven of eight games at home, meaning he's not wasting time traveling, recovering in odd situations. He can be at home with his physical therapist and his home environment. Then I think after all-star break, after he kind of break, shakes some of the rust, kind of learns how to play with some of these guys, because that's something that's not talked about enough, I don't think either, Ken, is the fact there's no newcomer. There's nine guys on this roster he's never played with, including no. Malcolm Brockett in the backcourt. So this is going to be very much like a training camp for him because not even in practice like me and you see is he playing with that first or second unit. He's with the third unit in the gold jersey. It seems, and this is looking way ahead, and I know how much you like looking way ahead, but (laughs) as as you look towards the trade deadline, it it seems to me that this is a team that does not need to tinker, bring in somebody new, or offload any of the current components. I would think that it would be a huge surprise if the Pacers did anything before the trade deadline. What do you think? Yeah, at that point, at this point, that's exactly what I'm thinking as well, because usually the deadline, trade deadline stuff tends to happen and impact those teams that are desperate, meaning a team that's wanting to get over the hump, thinks they can compete with the Lakers and Clippers, or the other team that's desperate to trade off assets or gain assets for the upcoming draft. And I think that the Pacers are in neither of those spots. And chemistry is, we've seen over the years how how important that has been, and you don't want to disrupt that. So any moves they would make, I, I think it would just be kind of the bottom end of their bench to send out a guy that's not playing, but I'm not even that do I see happening. I think they want to figure out what they have with this group, with Domas and Miles and Victor in the lineup, those sorts of things, and give it some time to play out when leading into the summer. Then they can understand, all right, that didn't work, or that's going to be great, let's go all in on this subject. Because the big thing that's going to be – Coming up this summer, Kent, is Victor. They have to extend his deal. Otherwise, they risk going into the final year of his contract, and that's not something that I don't think either of them will probably want for something to drag out. And That would dominate the topic of conversation is where is Victor playing next year if he was in the final year of his deal. Scott, on one of these road trips, I know that the players are going through you know, walkthroughs. They're working on stuff. 
maybe they're engaging in a little extracurricular fun. You, from from my experience, it seems unlikely you're going out clubbing, and it's really <laughs> unlikely you're going to a bunch of movies. What do you do on the road? Uh, mostly work and catch up on sleep because these early morning flights get to me. You know, I'm a uh, night owl, and then I'm up late finishing <laughs> my story. Right. So, so um, I always try to take a walk or, or or do something in the downtown area to get a feel for the town once again or, or see what's going on. Sometimes there's a convention going on. I try to eat at a local spot um, to experience that. But, yeah, I'm not uh, – other than traveling when I'm listening to the podcast, as you know, um, otherwise it's, it's mostly just focused on the topic of hand because it seems like you get into a city and before you know it, I'm gone. Uh, you know, I'm already moving right. on to my fourth city this week. So <laughs> you don't have enough time. I'm not like the TV guys that spend a day, uh, hiking Camelback Mountain. Now that sounds appealing, but I, I, I was still traveling to the city when they were able to, uh, jump on that mountain. What I would be doing if I were in your shoes, and I were still relatively young-looking as you are, I would find a college. I would go to a frat party, try to pass myself <laughs> off as a sig and in yeah. what kind of sorority uh, ladies were around the place. What are the chances you do that when you're in the Bay Area or up in Portland? Uh, probably very low for those cities <laughs> just because uh, if you wanted to do it, I'm in the nearby the Senate that you want to do it, right? Nearby Tucson, near, nearby Arizona State University. Right. I think this is where you'd want to do it, but then you're talking about having to rent a car, and you got to add all kinds <laughs> of logistics. I just don't have time for that. But, yeah, can't say you don't think about it. All right, man, travel safe. Thanks for the time, Scott. <laughs> all right, Ken, thank you. That's the great Scott Agnes of the Athletics schooling us up on the Pacers, what it's like to be on the road with him on this five-game West Coast trip. Love his work, love the Athletic. Stephen Holder, a great piece in the Athletic on the love kid out of Utah State who's at the Senior Bowl. Stephen down at the Senior Bowl covering the proceedings down there, trying to figure out exactly what the Colts are going to do in the draft. Great stuff at the Athletic always. Uh, it's a subscription-based service, no ads, so you don't have the repaginating and all the other crap that makes surfing the web a real pain in the ass with a lot of sports sites where all of a sudden the text is up and then it's down and finding out where you left off and where you need to read from is really, really difficult. A big, like I said, pain in the ass. The Athletic, not a pain in the ass for my money, well worth the money. I subscribe to that. I do subscribe to Peegs now at the 24-7 network because I think that that, they provide some important background on college athletics. And then I subscribe to Ken Palm because I love the breakdown statistically of different teams in college basketball. I, I think it helps kind of understand, helps us understand exactly who's doing what and what we may be able to expect coming up in games like Indiana's game tonight against Michigan State at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Again, that game, 8.30 tonight on Fox Sports 1. Tomorrow morning, we'll recap it. We'll talk all about that, and then we'll talk about what's going on this weekend. Butler with a big game tomorrow night. The Pacers a big game tomorrow night. Purdue, a big game this weekend against Wisconsin. We'll have it all for you tomorrow morning, Breakfast with Ken on Facebook Live at 8 in the morning, and then on Periscope Live immediately thereafter at about 8.15. Periscope, as you well know, also available on Twitter. I want to let you know, oops, the art of learning from mistakes and adventures. I wrote it, 37 chapters, things that I did that were mistakes I learned from or adventures that I learned from, not necessarily mistakes. You can pick it up so you don't have to make those mistakes yourself. 
All right, you can learn from my mistakes without making your own. Or maybe you read the book and you say, you know what? As long as you survive your mistakes and you don't hurt anybody else in the process, what the hell am I afraid of making mistakes or admitting mistakes for? That's another good uh, uh, outcome of consuming this book, either in ebook form, um, audiobook form, or hardcover. You can pick them all up at Amazon.com. Just search Kent Sterling and Amazon Books, and up will pop the yellow and red cover of Oops, The Art of Learning from Mistakes and Adventures. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Breakfast with Kent brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry, 317-849-2933. Join me.